Hi, this is Keaton, and this is another episode of my podcast, The West Noise. It is Cuphead Day on the show, which is both good and bad. For those unfamiliar, Cuphead is a platform game. came out back in September, made by the Moldenhauer Brothers. It's designed like an old cartoon, like rubber hose animation, and it was all hand-drawn, so it's brilliant to look at. It's a really beautiful game. And it won tons of awards, huge hit. Uh, I know it got Best Indie Game at the Game Awards, Best Xbox Game at IGN, etc. But, even though it's a great game, um, it's extremely difficult. And I have been pissed off by this game so much. I've spent hours just festering. I punched my futon first time I played it, uh, messed up my nail, and I still have some blood underneath it. have for a couple months now. So yeah, it'll leave some scars on you, but it's a great game. And the reason it's Cuphead Day is because my guest today is Chris Madigan, who composed the soundtrack for it. He did a bunch of original ragtime jazz songs, and as beautiful as the animation is, the music fits just as well. So yeah, um really damn hard but a great game and chris was very nice and it was interesting to see how he came to work on the game in the first place so here's my conversation with chris madigan Really? Apart. Oh wow! So when they started doing this project, which was a lot smaller, uh, about five years ago, they asked me if I wanted to write music for it, and so here we are. That's crazy! I didn't know you knew them that well. Oh yeah, yeah, we've been best friends for a long time. So, so it worked out well. Right. That makes the game so much better to know, like where it came from, like the interconnectedness Mm -hmm. to it. So, have you always been interested in music and making music? Uh, yeah, I've been playing drums. Uh, I mean, I started on piano, like a lot of people, but I didn't mm-hmm. like it, which is, I think, Why is that? common when you're, when you're young. Uh, I wanted to play drums. <laughs> I didn't want to play piano. <laughs> so, I don't know. I guess you just gravitate towards what you want to do, right? So, yeah. Um, I always wanted to be a rock drummer, which I also think is quite common for mm-hmm. young kids, probably. So, uh, and so that's, I ended up, uh, when I was around... Hand, I started taking percussion lessons, like legit percussion lessons, and so I sort of did that, and also um, got my first drum set when I was 13, I think, hmm. and sort of went from there. Ended up doing my undergrad in um, general percussion and orchestral percussion, and moved to Toronto about 10 years ago to go to do a artist diploma, which is kind of like a master's, mm-hmm. uh, also in percussion, and I've been here ever since, freelancing, and now doing some writing. That's really awesome. I, I've i always, whether it's at concerts or like just in listening to music in general, the drums have always stood out to me for some reason. 
like they're just the most powerful of everything and like if i go see a, a band that i like love i just always end up looking at the drummer and just watching the drummer because it just seems like yeah, the most just... like real yeah i mean i think if you you know if you have kids or anything you don't force them to uh to do something that you want them to do like if there's an instrument that they really want to play mm-hmm. it's uh you know they're gonna they're gonna enjoy it more and get more out of it i think if it's something that they i never had to be told to practice drum sets that was the thing i enjoyed it right and i didn't love practicing percussion technique when i was doing that now i really enjoy it um did you want to just be like rogue (laughs) sorry did you want to just be like rogue with it and just jam out uh yeah to a certain extent it's uh you know it's fun to put on recordings and play along it's a great way to learn Mm mm-hmm so, and now I enjoy, you know, I practice, I go to the studio for at least two hours a day uh, and go and, and do various things, working on whatever concerts are coming up, but also I, I enjoy doing technical practice now and uh, and sight reading stuff, and it's uh, it's great. So, I mean, I'm fortunate that it was, uh, I was able to sort of keep doing what I enjoyed doing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is jazz primarily what you like to listen to and play? Uh, I it's one of my things that I like to listen to and play. But I'm pretty. Uh, I mean, I started out wanting to do rock, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, I I was and when I was doing drum set, it was mostly rock stuff. And then around the time. I didn't do any jazz in high school, really, but after high school, I started studying jazz a lot more and listening to it a lot more, and then when I did my undergrad, I was the bulk of what I was doing there was more in the classical realm, hmm. but there was a big band there, so I played in a big band for a few years, and uh, it's kind of like I like doing both of them, but I guess the bulk of the work that I do is actually in, in orchestral freelancing, more or less, so, but I, I mean, I love jazz music, and it's just a totally different... Uh, you know, it's a different scene, right? So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you like it more than playing rock? Or do they kind of just equal? Uh, you know, it's different. I don't know if I like it more or less. They're all, everything is such a different discipline, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's more, it's easier to play. Um, I mean, the thing about rock is you can't really be, uh, like, you know, you, if you want to play rock, you sort of have to play in a band, and that's a big commitment. I'd love to right. put together a band. I haven't played in a legitimate band in a long time. I'd love to put together something like that. And part of it is I just haven't, um, you know, you got to have a good synergy with people. For and sure. I haven't really met anyone that I want to do like a rock project with in a while. But also like, if you're in a rock band, that's a, you know, it's a commitment. You rehearse all the time. You have to learn those tunes. Whereas with jazz, it's kind of the opposite. Like, you, yeah, I mean, right. not, not necessarily that you can do gigs. Like I did a, uh, a, re- a wedding reception a couple weeks ago and a friend of mine called me and said do you want to put together a, a band to do this thing and it was the two guys who I've played together with uh, the piano player I've played together with lots uh, bass player I've only played together with once one one, one other time but you can do that and like that's the thing about jazz is you can show up with, with a couple of players you've never met before right it seems and more like, loose you know like... yeah so it, you don't have to you study if you're doing rock you have to play in the band and that's the thing whereas if you're doing jazz a lot some of the study is just your own study and you can just do that on your own and then you get together with people and play so so it's, it's easier especially if you sort of have like a 
sort of messed up time schedule like mine is. <laughs> always, you never really know. It's kind of like shift work, right? Like you right. have like a morning rehearsal some days and an evening show or afternoon show some days. So, so it's yeah, it's uh, totally yeah, it's very different anyway. Is that what you do every day? Is just play, 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 rehearsal and. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, like, right now, um, all of November and uh, all of this month, we've, uh, I've been working with the National Ballet of Canada, which is kind of the main group that I work with, mm-hmm. and that's, um, we're an orchestra for the ballet, and... That sounds interesting. Right, you know, right, right now we're doing Nutcracker until the end of the month. Ooh. So, yeah. Are you into Christmas? Great. It's, it's, sorry? Are you into Christmas? Uh, it's one of my lesser favorite holidays, I think. Why is that? I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a humbug, I guess, for Christmas. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but screwed. I mean, I, I appreciate the uh, I like the family element of Christmas. Absolutely. I guess I, I find it's very commercialized, which I don't like about it. Yeah, I, I, I like can definitely the family element of that. it, and um, particularly like I can't. It's tough for me to go home now back to Saskatchewan because we're always doing Nutcracker until uh, you know first week in December until. This week, this year we go till December thirtieth. Some years we go into the new year, oh, wow. playing Nutcrackers. So, so you can't really get home there anymore. But it's you know, it's a ballet. It's a real. Uh, it's, it becomes a really a real family vibe there. So it's uh, the closer you get to Christmas too, it's, it's a lot of fun there because people, everyone's bringing in food and you hang out and see each other all the time. So. That sounds like a good atmosphere. That's, that's your own kind of family, you know. It's a, yeah, it's, really a, nice. it's a different work family, but it's. Uh, Everyone's kind of in the same boat too. They're all, they're all also there for the bulk of Christmas. So, but I mean that's that's a typical when I'm doing that schedule. Or uh, in January, I'm going to Ottawa a few times to play with the National Arts Center Orchestra there, and that's typically you know a few morning rehearsals and then three or four days of evening shows, and then that's the week sort of thing. So, so, so how? So how... it's still it's very sporadic. The most I right. do in a week with one group is. Uh, Tuesday to Sunday, like eight services kind of thing. What do you shows. What do you do on your free time <laughs> that you do get? Uh, lately, I've been doing a lot of podcasts. Really? Lots of people want to chat, yeah. But uh, I feel you there, obviously. Well, doing doing interviews, yeah, I should say, not my own podcast, but but I've uh, I still practice, uh, you know, as I mentioned, two at least two hours a day. I try to do three or closer to four, but when I'm when I'm doing lots of gigs, I don't want to practice too, too much because I don't want to, like, wear my brain out either during the day. Right, so I still need sense. to go for, do a couple hours there, do do some writing. I'm kind of working on a few things now. I have no major projects coming up, but just working on a few things uh, just for my own benefit. Uh, That's good. Studying, you know, theory study. I do, it's, all, it's kind of a lot, of, pretty boring in a lot of ways. <laughs> a, lot of, uh, a lot of music-related stuff I like reading, but also, like, I've been doing kung fu this year, and I've been meditating a lot this year. I've been oh, really? That, and I find that it's these are all sort of things. Which I, I'm doing these in, in order to make uh, playing music easier. You know, like trying to stay in shape physically yeah. and mentally. I think is important. So it kind of all is still in the service of doing the best job I can when I'm performing or you know writing something. Tell, tell me more about that, the Kung Fu meditation. How did you get into that? Uh, well, I've, I've been interested in meditation for a while. I just haven't really um, just 
never really did it until I think it was, it was last December I started. Uh, somebody recommended uh, an app to me. Uh, I think it was called Calm. There's a couple different apps. Calm is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But so I just started doing that. But then I did a lot more, a lot more reading on it uh, this year and went to a, a seminar. And it's not, it's not any specific kind of meditation. It's more um, zazen mindfulness meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like different, different sects, I guess you call them, of of, uh, of meditation. But this is just sort of like clearing the mind kind of thing. And I definitely noticed that it makes a big difference uh, being more in the moment uh, throughout the day and while playing. And also, if I if I have a few days where I don't have time to do it. I feel more agitated, I notice. Huh. So it's definitely, um, I, you know, I like doing it now because of that. And uh, and then Kung Fu, there's a cellist that I work with in the ballet, and he he started doing Kung Fu at this one place, um, I think about five or six years ago, he said. And he did it because he wanted to approach his instrument with a bit more fluidity, basically. And oh. so he wanted, and Kung Fu has a certain amount of, um, there's like Tai Chi elements sort of as well in there as part of the class when you do forms and things. And, and I've been meaning, it's another thing I was, you know, for years, I was just like, I should do some sort of, I, like I was interested in doing some sort of martial art and I could just never narrow it down to what I wanted to do. So I kind of just never did it. <laughs> and I did an Aikido class once and I think Aikido is, is probably amazing, but I, I think the learning curve on it is amazing. <laughs> so, uh. But the, this Kung Fu class is great because also a lot of the classes are in the mornings, which is good for musicians because we typically have more mornings free than, mm-hmm. than evenings. So, so I started going to that in January, and uh, it's, I really enjoy it. It's a good, it's a good workout, but also it's you know functional. And and I, I guess the thing is when you start noticing how it affects you know those those sort of things like physical. Um, awareness of how your body's working and then sort of mental um, relaxation and being more in the moment. When you start noticing the positive effects it has on whatever your main thing is, in my case, it's playing music, I guess. Yeah, I've never... And you, you kind of want to keep doing it, right? So I've, I've never thought about it like that, like people doing meditation and like martial arts to improve music i've never really thought about that relationship before and i guess it it definitely makes sense because of the discipline in it but the fluidity fluidity like you said that it's really interesting mm-hmm. i think playing a musical instrument is, is has there's a lot of parallels to martial arts in terms of just how like the discipline that's required you know yeah um, but if that's if that's all you do then i think like if you only play an instrument and maybe don't do other physical activities i think you can you know, you're be more prone to injury as well, and like repetitive stress. Right. So yeah, that's that's really. But I don't want to do anything like I don't necessarily want to do CrossFit either because I don't want to like <laughs> show up and can't move my arms. Right. Right. You know, like there's there's sort of a there's a, a level a safe balance there. Yeah. So. So I mean that's that's what that's my free time. I used to like I listen to as much music as I can as well to, to study, but it's like. You know, there's only so many hours in a day, and don't really. <coughs> Excuse me, just getting over a cold. You're good. Um, don't really. I used to watch a lot of films. Don't really have too much time for that anymore, uh, unfortunately. But and games too. Like, I've been trying to check out some 
some games, either from the perspective of you know games that have are have great soundtracks, mm-hmm. or just games that I should be more more aware of now that I'm sort of in the gaming world. But there's you know so so little time to do that as well. So I'm not really much of a <laughs> even though I wrote music for a game, I'm not I haven't really been a heavy gamer since like I was 20. So. What kind of game? So, so it wasn't Cuphead that like got you into it. You've always gamed. What games do you play normally? Well, I mean, I grew up, you know, playing, going over to Chad and Jared's house and playing games there. And we played a lot of uh, uh, there was fighting games. Like we played a lot of Jared and I in particular. We liked Virtua Fighter two. Virtua Fighter is, oh man, don't even get me started. <laughs> so, uh, we played thousands and thousands of, of rounds on Virtua Fighter two. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, they had, um, a lot of it was actually just, like, Chad was kind of the boss, so we'd end up watching, watching <laughs> him play a lot of games, but he's, like, a great gamer, so. That's funny. Um, and, I mean, I, I kind of grew up playing on my own, like, I enjoyed playing RPGs, and I really liked uh, the first, like, four Resident Evils. Yes, yes, and, yes. And then I think when I started my undergrad, it was just like, you know, I'd, you're practicing eight hours a day on top of classes and it's like, you know, I don't have time to play games anymore. Oh and, yeah, uh, I, I'm in school never too. Never really picked it back up until the past few years. And to a certain extent, it's more, it's hilarious that I can say I, the games I play are a certain, certain extent they're based in just doing research, but they sort of <laughs> are, you know, like seeing what else is, is happening. And uh, so, I mean, I played, I played Ori this year. Uh, it was great. Incredible mm. soundtrack, but it's a fun game too. Um, uh, actually, the game I've enjoyed the most uh, in recent memory is, has been The Witness, to be honest. And really? There's like no music in that, yeah. But that is a really interesting game. I, I love it. I'm still... I refuse to, to finish it before I beat every puzzle, and I refuse <laughs> to cheat. So I've been... I think I started playing... It's good on you. I, played it around, I started playing around last Christmas, actually. So <laughs> I don't play too often. There's like three puzzles left that I just can't. I'm just like racking my brain on. But Good thing you don't cheat, though. Yeah, there's no... Uh, I'm super interested to know how to beat these ones, but I there's no satisfaction in that. No, because then, yeah. So. No. I definitely think that video games are healthy to an extent. Like, I, I'm totally with you there being in college where, like, I love music and film and video games, but, like, they're all just so time-consuming. And, like, music less so because you can usually do other things while you're listening. But, like, to sit sit down and actually watch, like, a two-hour movie or to sit down... And when I play video games, I have to, like, dedicate, like, at least, like, three hours to it because, like, you got to submerge yourself in it. So I get that. But, like, I definitely do, like, think it's important to... Like, if if you're into that world, it is important to do research, (laughs) so to speak. Because you're still in tune with something like that, and and sitting down yeah. playing video games is a good exercise of like the mind. And I don't know. I I've always enjoyed video games because like it's a distraction and it's just like one of the easiest ways for me to just not think because you're just doing whatever it is over and over and over again. So like that about There's it. There's something but... meditative about that as well. You yeah, know, like for sure. Really into it. But I guess I think it's like I'm just trying to limit it to games. Which are maybe considered a bit more uh, on the artistic side of things. Yeah, I, de- I definitely get that. And and not like like you know the way it used to be it's like I want to play every single RPG on PlayStation. <laughs> and I would right. try to you know and it was like so many of them are, are terrible and I just wasted hours <laughs> playing these shitty games. But like 
so now it's, I'm, you know, I did pick up, I mean, I picked up Hollow Knight uh, on the weekend, and I cool. played that a couple hours, and uh, it's like, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a work of art, it's that, the atmosphere is great in that, so, so I mean, that's, that's a game which I think is, is worth playing. I think there's a lot of, uh, I think, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not the first one to have said this, but there's certain, there's a certain sort of uh, irresponsibleness to a lot of games, like the way that they are sort of like a lot of the, the massively multiplayer games mm-hmm. that are more of a, they're sort of drug-like in a sense, and it's, you can't let, you know, all your friends are going to be on at this time, so you can't let them down. Right. So you got to show up and do that too, and it's like, you know, there's a certain, I think in some cases there's a bit of, uh, it's kind of like drug peddling in a sense. <laughs> I, I can see you know, that. I think I, I think Jonathan Blow has actually talked about that. That was something that he sort of said, like, and, ga- and games like can- <clears throat> sorry, like Candy Crush and stuff, like how they're yeah, there's no they're, they're they're addictive but pointless, and it's it's not really you're not getting anything out of it at all. Nothing. Yeah. So like that's you know there are games that are works of art, and then there are games which are probably legitimately bad for you. So like you peak it's so kind of like early. Saying, Saying, yeah, saying gaming is like saying jazz. Like, what does it even mean anymore? <laughs> like, it's such a catch-all term for, like, so many different things, right? So Yeah, I, uh, I can definitely see jazz being related to that, where, like, there are some, some jazz music that's just immediate, and you don't really feel it breathe or have it a life of its own. And then, like, when you hear a real, real piece of jazz music where, like, the artists are playing off of each other and it goes places you didn't necessarily think it would, like I can see that with video games, where like sometimes they're just made just for the sake of making a game, and sometimes it's made for the idea of interpretation and modding or constant replay. Like replay value is a, is a really good yeah. phrase for me because like I, I like to play games with replay value, and that's not to say like I play Call of Duty like I really I, I do sometimes, just because like like I said earlier like it's mindless. But I do love games like Fallout and like Metal Gear, where Hideo Kojima just makes these games with just hours and hours of like Easter eggs and like tidbits that you can go back and look at. And they all have like some sort of meat or like functionality to them where you're not like you're you're not like Candy Crush. You're not just swiping pieces of candy over and over again. You're like, oh, what's the next level? What's the next level? Like that game is infinite, but there's no. There's no point to it. Like the point is done on the first level. You know what I mean? And but it's also arguably irresponsible, I think, too. And like a lot of those games have like whatever the microtransactions or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it's... they're termed, and it's like you know, it's like gambling. Especially Which is not inherently bad either, but you know, there's so many people who are susceptible to that, and it's. You can spend hundreds of yeah. dollars on animated pieces of candy in like seconds. Like that just shouldn't mm-hmm. be an option, especially when kids like. I've I've oh I've had a really big problem with that with just like I've seen a lot of parents complaining that because you know kids just get iPads or whatever and they just yeah. play their games and play their games but then like they end up spending money like on these games that they don't really understand the concept of of it so not only is like the kid being instilled like that early on that you just buy things like that easily with like stupid meaning I don't know. And it also bothers me when, like, the parents complain about it because, like, in a way, the parents are the ones giving the kids, like, the option to do that. So I think it's partially that and partially just, like, in a game specifically, like, engineered for children, there just shouldn't be purchases. 
Like, it just doesn't make any logical sense, other than to be guilty. Yeah, yeah I think that's a safe, uh, safe analogy there. Yeah, a little rant, but... <laughs> but that, that's cool you play video games. I, that's so interesting that you have, like, such a diverse amount of interest. What um, music do you listen to? I'm really curious about that. Uh, you know, as much as, like, pretty well everything. Right now I'm listening to a lot of um, African pop. Interesting. Uh, which also, like, I mean, Africa is obviously huge. Um, I kind of go through phases where I check out specific countries. But uh, right now I've been listening to a lot of, uh, like, South African, um, more like 60s and 70s uh, singers like Hugh Masekalia or Miriam Makeba. Huh. Uh, I'm a huge uh, Fela Kuti fan from Nigeria. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, I've been a fan of his for a long time. Tony Allen, who's the drummer on the bulk of his work, is arguably my favorite drummer. Why is that? So, oh, it's just his feel, man. Yeah. Yeah, his groove and his feel is, is unreal. And I'm listening to a lot of uh, Mbalak music as well, as well which is... Um, early Yusu Endur stuff from Senegal. Mm-hmm. Like, I think from, probably from, like, the early 70s, I think. I'm not sure the exact era, but it's super interesting. I need to get... So, I mean, lately, lately I've been listening to that. I still listen to orchestral stuff uh, fairly frequently. Um, you know, jazz all the time as well. David Bowie, I'm a huge Bowie fan. I picked up the, the newest Bowie box set yeah? a month ago, and... and yeah, going through that. So. I was I was really digging that. For the sure. new one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's like his, you know, arguably his his best era. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just found like a uh, the live Bowie album. He's wearing this like beautiful like pantsuit on the cover, but I found it like a record store for like a dollar, and I was very very happy about that. Uh, I've been probably listen- stage, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've yeah. I've been listening to it like a lot. And of course, with him passing, just rips my heart out. But and then um, yeah, that was that was a rough. Uh, it took me a long time to get over that, actually. So it kind of seemed like he was never gonna die. I know he's one of those people. Where he's just there. I missed seeing him on the reality tour, which would have probably been just before he canceled the tour. I think because he had a heart attack. But uh, mm-hmm. not, like I, sh- I didn't go see it, and. It's kind of one of those things that I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> so, because that's a great, I, I mean, the, the footage from that tour is awesome. So. I went and saw um, Sue George. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he did the. the he's doing the Bowie tour, right? Yeah, now. yeah, for the yeah. the Wes Anderson movie. And I went and saw it because I love that movie and I love the soundtrack. And I went and saw Sue George and like, like in a way he was there. It was, it was really, really special. And I love how he covers those songs. He just brings like a whole new life to them. And I, I remember I, I was just front row, so I was like a couple feet away from him. And he was just in the whole like Steve Zissou garb. And there were just pictures of Bowie like on the screen in the back sometimes. And it was just, in a way, I felt like I got to see him. You know, it was still yeah. still a huge bummer, but I felt like I well, it, said- that helped me make a lot of peace with it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a. Uh... He's just such a, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, I, I compare him to Duke Ellington in a lot of ways. There are two, two artists who, uh, like, I, I'm a huge Ellington fan as well. Mm-hmm. And um, they're just two artists who were super prolific and constantly 
they didn't seem afraid of failure in any any sense. Like they were always experimenting and always trying to to grow. And like you listen to like literally like anything from any Ellington area era, and it sounds you can tell it's Ellington within seconds. Right. It sounds nothing like any anyone else was ever doing at those times. And it, I just find that fascinating. That's so rare. So we saw the because uh, Tony Visconti was doing Holy Holy tour. Um, with the original, he had the original band from Man Who Sold the World. They were doing that tour. That is super was, cool. Yeah, we saw that the uh, first show after Bowie died, like two days later. And it was like super intense. Wow, that's yeah, cause, that is heavy. Yeah, and they were just like, we're just gonna do the show, and it's, you know, he kind of came out and gave a speech, but it was like Bowie would want us to, to keep doing this. And... I mean, he's right. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was, uh, it was an excellent show. We've lost a lot of great, great people. Mm-hmm. Prince, well, Prince hit like, me. The, yep. the yep. two best shows I've ever seen in my life were, the first one was Prince. You saw Prince. Yeah, and the second one I was hate Prince. you. So. <laughs> oh, that's... It's Prince, dude. Like... Yeah, like, seeing him oh live my was, God. Uh, the guy was unreal. Prince, Prince has been in my family since I was a baby, and I just... That hit, that hit me really, really hard. Yeah, like, I, I love Prince. I'm not, like, uh, I'm not nearly as encyclopedic about him as I was about Bowie or anything. So, mm-hmm. like, that was also, like, I was like, oh, shit, Prince. But I, I wasn't nearly as effective as a lot of people. Right. So, but he's, like, yeah, like, he was also just, like, sort of uncompromising and, uh, you know, super interesting. I went and saw Purple Rain because they were playing it um, in Detroit where I'm near and places like that and they were playing Purple Rain and I went and saw it and it was really rough but it yeah mm-hmm. I cried alright happier happier things okay movies yeah this is a this is a dark interview <laughs> what kind of movies do you watch when you did or however you get to those uh I mean I watch I try to watch as many like interesting you know foreign films and stuff as possible and uh my like my favorite films let me think here. Blade Runner is probably my favorite film. That's a, uh, just a damn good The original movie. Dawn of the Dead, the original Day of the Dead also. I love Really? Yeah. Uh, Lebowski. I've seen of course, many times. man. Ghost World. Ghost World? Is, uh, <laughs> is underrated. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, like, uh, I love Bergman. I think Wild Strawberries is, uh, I saw that at a point in my life when I was like, sort of needed to see it and that was super intense so that's a great film but anything uh, Bergman is incredible um Tarkovsky is one of my favorite filmmakers as well are you saying Birdman uh, uh I have seen Birdman that Bird, Birdman sorry I, that's okay I just couldn't totally get it I um just did a presentation in my philosophy class like tying existential themes to Birdman and it was it was really really fruitful I absolutely sure adore that movie. That might be my probably second favorite movie, third favorite. It's up there though. And the soundtrack, oh my gosh. I something about the isolated drums just like like I said, I, I love that. I can I listen to it like all the time. Antonio Sanchez, man, like guy's uh... Yeah, he's coming he's coming to Detroit uh next year and he's playing oh, yeah? yeah, he's playing the soundtrack along with the screening of the movie. 
So I'm definitely, oh, cool. definitely going to hit it up. Yeah, Birdman is up there. I have not seen Wild Strawberries. I have not seen that. What is that? Yeah, that's... Uh... Sir, I, 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 was, I was saying uh, Birdman, though. Ingmar Birdman. Okay. Yeah, all right. Sorry. That's, hey, that's fine. He made Wild hey, Strawberries. We got to another... We got to another point. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, anything by him though too is uh, is is worth checking out. Cool. You don't watch as many now. Did you see the new Blade Runner? I haven't seen it yet. It's still in the theaters, and I need to see it before it leaves. Just haven't. Had to, it's been like no time. I feel. So hopefully, maybe in the next uh, couple weeks. People are loving it. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be uh, fairly worth. I mean that's. For me, it's one of those things. Like, it's not. It wouldn't ruin the original if the sequel was bad, because like, I think anyone who lets that happen to them is like a, a terrible parent, <laughs> right? Because the right. movie's still just as good. But right, it sounds like it might actually like live up to something. So I've heard people say it's better than the original multiple on multiple occasions. I mean, that's that to me. I'll I'll, I'll reserve judgment. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you there, seen like kind of a classic? Have you seen like all the edits and the versions of it? Is there like a main version that you go to? I've seen like three. I, you know, the, the main one. so many. <laughs> I, the one I had on VHS was uh, the director's cut, so that's the one I'm cool, familiar cool. with. I have the 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 uh, Blu-ray box set, but I don't have a fucking Blu-ray player. What the? So, what are you doing? I know. <laughs> I bought it because it was on sale. I was like, you know, I gotta get a Blu-ray player. <laughs> I just haven't got it yet. But I think it, like, I think there's at least five versions on there. They they. I've seen the, ver- I've seen the Laserdisc version on Laserdisc. Cool, cool. Which is uh, that one has the that's the one that has the narration. You can and, get uh, um, it'll probably cost you as much as a Blu-ray player, but they have a like special edition with the briefcase on Blu-ray. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, that is I've I've wanted that for a while, but it's very not easy to get. <laughs> yeah, that I'm is not super quite cool. that much of a, a hardcore. Uh... <laughs> I'm more, I'm more like you know, even just watching the director's cut on on Blu-ray, like the, so, because uh, that's a film which, which ages really well. For sure. Even on VHS, it still looks, it doesn't look dated. Hmm. You know, like I, I think because uh, so many things from that era just look like they end up looking like Tron, right? Yeah. And that Blade Runner doesn't. So. I can see that. In in my, I mean, maybe a few areas, but not in general. Like it still looks. Um, remarkably fresh fresh that's a good word yeah okay it's time to talk about cuphead okay are you prepared uh maybe how much have you played this game uh i beat it good for you (laughs) i finished the first island on expert except for hildeberg yeah, right. I was so close the other day, and I didn't get it, and I got half of this on the first two uh, platforming levels. And that's that's all I've done so far. Is it weird but, playing with your music? Uh, not, not really. I don't actually really notice the music because I'm too busy trying to not die. <laughs> so, I think the first time I booted it up, like, because we didn't... They're, I mean, they were kind of like uh, some sort of, you know... You know, like big stage illusionists who have like 30 assistants yeah. and none of them know all the tricks. They only know the parts they need to know. <laughs> like I think a lot of us on the team were kind of like, like Chad and Jared were like these Fengalis. And so like, you know, the game came out on September 29th and I didn't get my download key until September 28th. So I had seen parts of the game and I had played parts of the game, but mm-hmm. I'd never seen the finished game until 
the day before everyone else did. <laughs> so, um, so I mean, that was just doing like the first sort of playthrough of the first, you know, world. Um, and those were the thing is, those were the bosses I'd mostly played before too, from like old demos. Right. So, uh, so you had a bit of a one-up. You know, seeing the sort of finish, like the the fine, you know, the, the filter that was on that had been fine-tuned then, and everything you know, working properly and seeing that intro, the opening movie, which wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, you know, like, it was, it was, uh, re- it was an interesting feeling. It was, it was really nice. I mean, it's, it's an amazing game. I know everyone and their mothers are saying that, but it, it's just so good. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Like I, uh, I agree. I, they, they made a, they made a hell of a, I mean, you know, they spent, as long perfecting the, uh, you know, the controls and the concepts mm-hmm. that they did on the graphics. Everyone focuses on the graphics, but the whole the whole package is like, it's quite a, it's a really special achievement. I, think. I just can't believe it's hand drawn. Like that, just blows my mind. I, it's I pretty, uh, yeah. That's so much time. I mean, as, as, as they've they've said it multiple times too. Like if they had known how much work it was going to be, they probably never would have started. <laughs> right. Because it just right. kind of ended up being, you know. And it was the same for me. Like it was originally, the game was a lot smaller, and I didn't. I had never really written before when they asked me to do it. I'm not sure why they asked me, but uh, <laughs> so I was like, even then, when it was you know eight bosses and that's it, I was like, hell no, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so and so it was kind of like you know for the whole team, it was, it was sort of as Chad says, it was baby steps throughout. Um, we sort of learned as we went, and and then you know they kept with each little bit of promo the game got or, you know, the hype that the game got, they would add, like, a little bit more to it. Right. And then after, after E3, uh, a couple of years ago, yeah. they were like, okay, we're going to add a bit more to it. And then, like, next year, they were like, okay, we'll add the platforming levels or, you know, whatever the sequence was. And uh, so it kind of kept... It wasn't a right. big... Uh, it wasn't a huge project off the bat. It was, like... How did you, like, make the music? Did you, like, watch demos of the battles and things like that and then, like, work along with it? Or, like, how did that work? So they knew, um, even when they asked me sort of the first time, Chad had a good idea of what he wanted. He wanted it to be a a 30 big band style. And sometimes, you know, a lot of it was just, like, he sent me a handful of tunes. He's like, I like this, you know, sing, 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 whatever. You know, like, tunes that he had dug up a couple of like fast Callaway things and he's like this is the vibe we're going for and so I did a lot of you know as I was sort of figuring it out as I went along I did a lot of writing sort of blind in a sense like I was just writing big band tunes hmm. and then you know in some cases he would say like okay this this tune is uh, two frogs who are going to box you or whatever <laughs> and so you know like some of the tunes were maybe a Assholes. bit more written specifically for things. Uh, obviously something like the train is specifically for the train. Mm-hmm. The last, the, you know, the, the devil tunes, I mm-hmm. specifically wrote those for the devil, but other ones I was just writing tunes that I was trying to make as exciting as possible. And he would say yay or nay. Uh, but also when something was going to work, he would say, okay, well this will work for this particular boss. And then, so then I might refine it a bit to sort of fit more with that boss. But so, in, 
it was sort of, I might not be 50-50, but there was a certain amount of, I was just writing things, and a certain amount of, they were sending me um, concept art, and saying, like, this this is what the guy's going to look like. That sounds tedious, man. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's almost easier to, to not write to some sort of preconceived idea, in a sense. Huh. And, that, like, a lot of it was matched up uh, after the fact. Yeah. And, you know, because we we were going for a vibe and it wasn't like I was scoring a film or something where everything needs to be, like, the specific sort of lengths and things and, and think, you know, whatever, this and that. Because we were just going for, like, a fast, exciting, loud, big band vibe. That's what I was trying to write. I was less trying to write for the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, or for any specifics within the game. Have you had, like, people approaching you about doing other games and things like that? Uh, I've had a few, like, smaller offers for some interesting things around Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, just from people that I know. Um, and those would be more manageable. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not very fast at writing, partially because I don't have, it's not like my, wouldn't, it would never be my full-time gig. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, these need to be, any projects I take on would need to be, uh, you know, long-term sort of right, thing. Right, that makes sense. But in terms of, I've had no one approach me yet about games, but hmm. I highly doubt that I would take on anything. Um, it would have to be a very interesting sounding project with maybe a certain amount of freedom and t- obviously, again, time mm-hmm. to do it. But, um, I, you know, if, if Chad and Jared want to do something, if they want to do another game, I would absolutely work with them without hesitation, but I would be right. a lot more hesitant to take, if someone's just like, we're doing this game, we want to write music for it. I think a lot of actual freelance composers would be like, yes, absolutely. But for me, it's like, I would probably, unless there was like, it was a really special sounding project, I would probably turn it down just because there's no, you know, I don't want this to be like a full-time job either. Right, and Cuphead is really specific, like sounding, and it's your best friend, so like that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the, re- the reason I said yes in the first place was because these weren't two guys that I'd never met before, and right. they were just like, you know, they were friends of mine, so they sort of had a, a feeling that I was maybe capable of doing this. So, and, you know, like, it was easy to work with them. We had a lot of back and forth, but it was it was always, like, um, you know, civil and, and constructive. That's awesome. And it was... It was didn't always feel like work. It was kind of just like, you know, chatting with friends and getting right. some ideas down. So, did you feel even like... though we also all worked, like, you know, mobily, like I did all my writing here in the apartment. Mm-hmm. Chad is based in Oakville. Jared's still in Saskatchewan. So, hmm. so it's, you know, we're all over the place still, but. Do you feel like you learned a lot from, like, the experience? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've wanted to write for, you know, decades, maybe. Like, I, I've, I find it's, like, it would be really interesting. Like, have, you know, it's I've wanted to do something more creative for a long time, but there's never been the right reason to do it, I guess. Like, I think there's some, you know, like, you have somebody like Beethoven. Not that I would ever compare myself to Beethoven. But whoa, I think whoa. He, he, was a, he was a guy who was, like, I, I have stuff to say and I need to say it and I got to get it out. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm, I'm more interested in writing for specific projects, maybe that come up. So yeah, like, you know, when I had when I had a band like 12 years ago, I kind of sketched out a few tunes for that because it was something that 
I was writing for maybe specific people and uh, that would actually get played. I wrote a jazz tune to go on, on my one of my uh, jazz recitals. Mm-hmm. Did some, because, you know, I knew the people who were going to be playing it and I wanted it was something I wanted to work on. I did a little bit of, like, you know, fucked up process marimba music uh, for a, an, art, an art project that I was also on. But those were things where it was like there was sort of a, a reason to do it and not just because I need to, I need to write. So, so it was nice, even though I would ne- never necessarily have chosen uh, Big Band as my um, instrument of choice, in a sense. Hmm. It's just the, the actual process of writing is, is what's important. So I feel a lot more equipped now to, like, to do any sort of writing. Like, even That's awesome. I have, like, I, I would know how to approach doing something radically different. Like, I know the, the research that I would have to do and the people I would have to talk to to sort of figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, so it was, it was a huge learning experience. Um, even if it's not, like, even if I never wrote another big band tune in my life, this would still apply to a lot of other things. That's so great. Are you, are you proud of it? Do you think the music fits well? Like, have you had any second thoughts on, like, certain placements and anything? Or does it feel feel like a really it good fits, piece of work? It fits better than I was expecting it to, actually. I'm proud of pretty well most of the soundtrack. I think, uh, you know, there's 56 tunes on the, on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And I think if you had 56 children, there's probably some you're going to like less than others. <laughs> but, I uh, like that. <laughs> But even the, the, you know, even the couple tunes on there that I'm like, Ooh, I really don't like that tune at all. Like I've seen both of them show up on people's like top five list, <laughs> you know. Um, so I, it's interesting. Like I, I, I am super proud of the whole project, and I think that it fits really well. I definitely agree. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, and I mean, like, we were. We weren't stressing about like really matching everything up to the music or matching the music to the to the visuals. It was more about getting a vi- an excitement vibe for each sort of section. Um, but we were also sort of cognizant that this is like potentially a gateway for a lot of people who who either was like, "Oh, jazz is like yeah, for sure, old, yeah, for sure, jazz is for old people. I don't like it," or uh, I've never checked out jazz before in my life. So, you know, we're already getting people saying, like, I, I didn't like jazz before this, and now I'm interested in listening to more. Yeah, I definitely can kids, see. My kids yeah. are really getting into jazz now, and that's, like, super... We always were, like, this has the potential to reach a lot of people, so we wanted to do the best job as possible just just for that reason alone, you know, like, because out of, out of respect for the art form and that this might turn people on to this great art form that maybe yeah. had otherwise given it no thought. I didn't even think of that, like... Because everybody plays video games, like all demographics play video games, including like people who've just never heard anything like that, and so they're just kind of getting thrown on their heads where they're like they're mm-hmm. forced to listen to something like that. I I didn't think about that. That is touching like a lot of people. That's really cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's gratifying. I mean, the the response has been gratifying too. Like people seem to generally like like the soundtrack. So um, I think we did our jobs. This game sounds like the process of making it sounds so much more laid back than like playing it makes me feel. <laughs> I have it had was, I've had so well, much anger. It's not an easy game. <laughs> Dude, I knew it was hard. Like people were like Dark Souls, whatever. But I was like, I'll I'll beat it in a couple days. 
and like literally the first level I was like Jesus Christ like but you get better like, <laughs> oh yeah yeah it, it is it is like that's what I mean this is what people have said too and this is what impresses me so much about the design like they put so much thought into you know the learning curve is not unfair mm-hmm. the, you know you have to figure things out as you go and you will get better at this type of game and also like in the same way that we were thinking like the music might hit people to other similar things like this this game could be like uh a, you know could open up people to check out you know other great earlier games like all the treasure games yeah sure. uh, from early generation alien soldier like those the things that influenced chad and jared a lot of people haven't heard of so maybe they'll go back and check out these great classic games as well well, it's it's just a great all-around game. It's a great game, great music, and it's super. It's super great that like what you're saying about it, just making people turn on other things. Because I didn't really think about that. Like that just gives it so much more life. And I think it definitely has. Um, like it's it's gonna age well, like for sure. It it just has so much to it. So. Yeah, and I think there's 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 replay value there too. Yeah, like, for aside from like <laughs> oh, yeah. just getting better, but there is like you know. Gotta get that damn coin. Mode once you beat it, you can try and do time time runs or whatever. And yeah, uh, the speedrunners that fly through it in like a half an hour make me feel like shit, but whatever. Yeah, those guys are those guys are wild, but <laughs> you know they're still like, and I think that's all like that's a, a bit more of a legitimate. The game itself is fundamentally not super long, nor is it an infinite game either. Like. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things. It's not like speedrunning Candy Crush, where you'll you just do it forever and never stop. Right. Like, you know, you can get to a point where it's like, okay, this game has replay value, but I don't need to play it for three hundred hours. Have you? You know, like. Yeah. I, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked. Have you like okay. been able to see in person, or do you own the vinyl version of your soundtrack? I, I do. I haven't actually had the chance to listen to it yet. I hate to say, I have two copies. Both are still sealed. It looks so cool. Like I, I eventually definitely want to get my hands on it. Oh, I am eight. Yeah, they did such a beautiful job. Yeah, I love the, the packaging uh, of it. And I mean, like I want you know, apparently, the, apparently the pressing is also very good. Sweet. Um, which again, like I'm kind of embarrassed that I haven't actually listened to it yet. <laughs> so, but I, I mean, you know. Someday I should sit down and listen to it, but I also am very familiar with most of it. So right. <laughs> yeah. Don't really. I'm not in a huge pressing rush to uh, to check it out again. Right. But yeah, I mean, they, they did a, a beautiful job on that. The GameStop, I think, or EB had the uh, they had like a special edition like 78 pressing or something mm-hmm. as well that IM8 that did uh, yeah, last yeah. month. Yeah, Also, like, it looks gorgeous. So. Yeah, the, they did a really nice job with the... Uh, and, I mean, also, like, if you... Uh, there's the, that comes with the download, and I think you can get... I mean, there's, like, you know, the different versions. There's also... There's a black version, too, and, like, the... The, <sighs> the mix and the mastering that they did is, is awesome. Yeah, it sounds so good. So, you know, I think hearing that on, on the highest quality possible is uh, is worth it. The, the mix process alone took months and months because we were constantly, uh, we just spent so long refining it mm-hmm. and making it, getting it to a point where it's really punchy, but doesn't sound modern. 
that it's still clear. Like, I didn't want, I don't love the sound of a lot of modern jazz recordings. Ugh. And yeah. I, I think that would have been the totally, I mean, it would have been the wrong approach for this. But you also don't want it to sound like something that's so old and you can't make out all the instruments. Like, so I think um, our engineer, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Darby, did such an incredible job with finding the perfect balance between clarity yeah, and Yeah, it's, it's definitely the perfect medium. Like, it fits right in. Mm-hmm. So, so I, in, in any case, I am interested in checking it out on the line. <laughs> and, like, it's cool that you have it. Actual, uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have other records? Like, do you collect records at all? Uh, yeah, I have a decent uh, collection. I mean, I have the last two Bowie box sets and uh, the last Fela uh, Kuti box set. And I have, you know, a decent... The last album I bought was uh, uh, Leonard Cohen. Oh, I'm blanking on the name right now because I'm an idiot. Is it older uh, or... Uh, I'm from 88. I'm your man. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, big Leonard Cohen fans here as well, but that's that's the last record I bought. So I, I buy it if it's not. I mean, if it's if it's going to be like hyper pricey to import it, or it's mm-hmm. not available on vinyl, I'll typically buy it on on record now. But there's a, there's a lot of stuff on Bandcamp that you, you know that's the only way you can get it. So, right, right. Um, yeah, it's good to that's have a good cool, collection of everything. I have like thousands of CDs too. I need to oh, get around to organizing those and probably <laughs> downsize a certain extent, but, <laughs> but that's from a uh, uh, youth, youth spent collecting CDs. <laughs> I'm I'm hopefully trying to do records from a young age. So I mean I I have a decent amount of CDs too, but mm. my dad's always collected records and he has like over 500, just like huge collection. So I'm just trying to start young. I'm trying to start. Yeah, young. I definitely don't have. I maybe have like a hundred. Or something. Not too many, but that's good though. That's a good start, yeah. I just think it's important to get physical copies of music when you can. To me personally, at least. Yeah, I mean, I think the vinyl versus you know digital debate will rage forever. But I I like yeah. the sound of vinyl. So. I mean, yeah. But there's I've slowly yeah. been putting together a decent uh, a decent system as well. One one component at a time. Yeah, it definitely makes a difference what you're listening on, also, for Absolutely. sure. Because there there are sounds that you literally just can't hear <laughs> if you don't like mm-hmm. have a certain needle or amp. Actually, if you ever get a chance to check out uh, an album called uh, Masterpieces by Ellington. Yeah. And it's uh, I think it's like one record. I think it was like sixty bucks or something. Oh. It's just like it's this. It's unbelievable the sound on it. The arrangements are incredible. I think they're mostly. Um, uh, oh my god! Sorry, I I just came from something and I didn't sleep much last night. You're good. Um, his his collaborator, who now I'm also blanking on like a, like an idiot. Um, oh, Billy Strayhorn. I think they're mostly Strayhorn arrangements. Is this the re- um, the re- a remastered of it, or is it like one of the originals? Oh, I think it's a remaster. Let me uh, get it off the shelf here. Cool. In any case, if you ever get a chance to listen to it with phones on a on a nice turntable, it's incredible. I'll have to do that. And like, the, the arrangements sure. are the arrangements are totally wild. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah the arrangement I'll, I'll of uh, Hootie and the Goat is amazing. Masterpieces by Ellington. Yeah, 
it's more like what's impressive about it is um, it, it's probably the by far the highest quality record that I own. Yeah. Like, and just how incredible the vinyl sounds. So, oh. so that's a neat one, anyways. Add that to the list of things I gotta get. Yeah. It's just ever growing. All you right. Pull out the, uh, the the Charlie Brown soundtrack on on vinyl. Uh, oh yeah, I don't know what one to get. As well. There's so many. Like they release like different colored versions every single year, and I never know when to strike. I yeah, want we, it. I, I mean, do. We just have the one that we have a green version. Oh. Sounds fine. <laughs> Sounds fine. So. <laughs> I'm a. I got Michael Bublé's Christmas album on red vinyl. Oh, yeah. That's my jam every year. I love, I love, one. love that record. Really? Well, if you're into Christmas well, see, music... Yeah, this, is, this is because I'm not a huge Christmas uh, fan. Yeah, that that makes sense. It's very... So, it's very holly jolly, so... I'm not... I mean, a friend of mine, um, I think he looks, He literally spends 11 months looking forward to the time when he can play Kenny and Dolly's Christmas <laughs> uh, for, like, 30 days straight. <laughs> you know, and I just... I'm, I'm so not into that. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I like I like uh, Kenny Rogers. And I like Dolly Parton, but I just have no no urge to hear them sing Christmas music. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I do, <laughs> and I'm really yeah. into Christmas. So. <laughs> but Dolly, I love Dolly. Oh yeah, she's great. <sighs> I, I I had friends that went to see her when she was on tour a year ago, and they said it was just oh, wow. an incredible. Good concert. for her. Yeah. Good for Dolly. So she's still doing her thing. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, I appreciate the talk. My pleasure, much, man. So. I will uh, get a hold of you next time I get it published, which should be, I would think, next Tuesday. So. Okay. Sounds good. Is it okay if I use um, a song from the soundtrack at the end of the show? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll be sure to give credit and all that, but I just cool. wanted to ask. All right, Chris. I appreciate it. I hope you have a good My rest of your month. And best of Sounds luck good. with yeah, Kung enjoy, Fu and all that. Enjoy the holidays. Thanks, man. Oh, and if you ever want to play Virtual Fighter, just shoot me an email. And I'm, uh, maybe, I'm, yeah. I'm you ready. ever play Death Tank? Death Tank was a big one for us, too. I have not played Death Tank before. Death Tank is... That sounds aggressive. You know, it's not. And they did a remake <laughs> of it, uh, maybe for, like, PS3 or something, and it's not very good. Oh, I, don't know why, like, I don't know why they just don't do the original one, but it's one of those weird, like, it's only on Sega Saturn. And you have to have a saved. I, you have to have Doom and Quake, I believe. What? And you have to have a saved file of one what? On, your, on your thing. And then if you have a saved file of like, I think if you, if you have a saved file of Doom, and then you put the Quake thing in, then you have the option to play Death Tank. What the hell is that? It is, it is the best fucking multiplayer game <laughs> of all time. So because the Saturn had like the uh, the six control uh, yeah thing, right? So you could plug in all the extra controllers. Find some videos of the original. Uh, I'm going original to. I'm going to find some bootleg versions and play it. It, it looks. I mean, it looks like a game from like the 80s.